That living bread, of course, is the Eucharist, and that will be much clearer next week when he says seven times, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, but the Virgin Mary uh, is going to be coming in the Assumption, and we won't hear that reading. So uh, I want to start with what was in the second reading, and because I want to talk about what, what the sacrifice of the Mass means in particular and a few other things that we probably have forgotten or, or need a reminder of, St. Paul is saying to them, uh, live in love as Christ loved us and handed himself over to us as a sacrificial offering to God for a fragrant aroma. You might think of that as incense in the Eucharist, if you, want, if you will. But I had an interesting discussion when I was in Tillamook Somebody listening to her last night told me, reminded me of the name of this man. We had an ecumenical Bible study in which there were four of us, and each, each group, interestingly enough, Episcopalian, Lutheran, um, United Church of Christ, and me, uh, we all use the same lectionary. Uh, many Protestants use our lectionary and it, from Vatican II because it's got the benefit of making us do every reading rather than me picking it out, which would be inherently biased, you know, uh, pick out things I like. So anyway, we were, we did this for four years. I was there four and a half years. And he came, he had a PhD. He was a very learned man. He came up to me, knowing me well enough to ask this question. He said, so tell me. He wasn't meaning to be rude, but he said, why do you Catholics sacrifice Jesus over and over every Mass when, when St. Paul said clearly that one sacrifice of Christ was sufficient for all our salvation. I'll bet most people here wouldn't quite know what to answer that. Do we sacrifice Christ over and over? No. Because the Mass, they're all one Mass. We're all at the Last Supper in, that, in a sense that when we're in the presence of the Eucharist, we're in time and outside of time. We're already in heaven. Just like Jesus once said, the Son of Man uh, who, who is in heaven while he was still on earth. Uh, and what that means in reality is that sacramentally and in reality, we are all at one mass. It's all one sacrifice. It's the Last Supper. That's why Jesus said, do this in memory of me. He wanted us to be present with him uh, on the cross. He gave them his body and blood and made it clear two years earlier in the reading next week that we won't be reading actually here, that that really is his body and blood, made them wait two years before they understood what it was he was talking about. It was very hard to understand this. What, what in the world was Jesus talking about? And so this, he, when he was sacrificed, as the second reading said, and his body was flailed and his blood fell to the ground, but he wanted us to be within him, if you will, genetically, uh, his blood flowing in us, and his and ours, uh, his, ours and his, excuse me, by taking his literal body and blood, we would be one with him on the cross. Many take it in without physically receiving, especially at the end of life when it's very, usually very difficult to receive. And those on the live stream have been doing this with a spiritual communion. It's more obvious now after COVID. So, but it's that, it's that spirit. I wanted to mention Noticed here on the altar, I have a little cross here. And these days, most parishes have this. Some, some parishes have a really large cross. And uh, I don't like that because you can't see what I'm doing here. Uh, Vatican II, when we have full active and conscious participation, part of it means you can see what I'm doing uh, and pray with me. Uh, you, 
you have a cross back here. I need also to look at the cross to remind me this is both a sacred meal and a sacrifice, and the two together form a cross. They're inequality. We're in time as Catholics. We should know this after being locked down for and locked out for one way or another for so long, is that to be a real Catholic or Christian, we have to be in community with someone, in communion with each other, and come here to su support each other by being physically present and having a meal, a sacred meal with God. We're literally having a meal with God here sacramentally at the Last Supper. That's why we try to uh, be reverent during Mass, and we have all the best, all the best dishes out here and the tablecloth just like kind of like thanksgiving but jesus is present we are not supposed to leave early and if i left early after going to dinner with somebody's house uh before dessert you probably wouldn't invite me back and yet we uh, interestingly enough we had a lot of people leaving early now sometimes i have to admit i had to do this for a year when i take care of my mother so we never judge anybody please uh i'm sure i was misjudged myself but um most people well, i don't see any people leaving early since covid isn't that interesting um, I, you know, it's one of those things I've noticed here. So much has changed in the last year and a half. My, my longing for the Eucharist for many. But um, the, the little cross is to remind me of the sacrificial nature. So we have a perfect sacrifice and a perfect communion. And the two come together here at the altar. And that's why it's sacred. So we have um, here at the altar, um, we, have a, we have two relics. And we put them deliberately here in the side of the altar. The traditional place would be to put it under the altar, right under where we consecrate the bread and wine. Right under here is an altar stone. It came from the old altar, which I believe we still have in the, in the barn, though we keep it sacred because um, it, it's been decommissioned, but it's still an altar. Uh, and we took that, that altar stone and placed it here, even though, uh, even though, it's a stone top. Most altars should be made of some kind of, of stone. And so the old altar was made of wood, so we had an altar stone right here. And, uh, and very hard to get out. Also, you break your fingernails trying to get this thing out. That's where the relic was in the old church. We have it here so the kids in particular, when we give a tour of the church, can see these. One is, we think, St. Edward, most likely, obviously. And the second one was St. Clair. I had a choice of St. Bernadette and St. Clair. They're both friends of mine. I had a hard time deciding, but I was able to get a couple of poor Clares to come and bring it up, so that's why she got it, the honors. And I have two sisters born on that day, October, August 11th, um, coming up next week. St. Clair is the patroness of television. And guess what? We were broadcasting all over uh, during COVID. I think there's a connection there. Do you? That's how God works. So why do we have relics here? Because in the early church, they would go down to the catacombs. You go to Rome, you should always have a tour of a catacomb. They weren't hiding from the Romans particularly. The Romans knew exactly where the catacombs were. And, but that's where the martyrs were buried, many of them. And they, particularly St. Lawrence, which is also coming up, and St. Um, I can't think of his name. But anyway, uh, you can still see the altars there. And underneath would be the body of the saint in, in, a, in a, uh, a rectangular uh, sarcophagus. So they would celebrate mass right on there. 
And then later, that, that was so they would be connected with the martyrs and gain courage because the, many of them were facing death at various times in the first three centuries of the church. And so we remember that. These, neither of these saints are martyrs, but we're connected through time with those who have gone before us and are at the perfect sacrifice of the Mass, if you will, which is completed in heaven, begun here. And we pray for those who have died and are uh, in the in-between stage, which we call purgatory, some of them. But we hear we are in life and learning from God. And so, and when we're praying, there are many references to the sacrifice. I'm using Eucharistic prayer for today. It's mentioned about four times there. And for example, pray my brothers and sisters, this is since the, the new translation, and it's much better than the old, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God. May the sacrifice at your hands. We say this liturgical dialogue because we're in a different space, a different time. We're in time and in a real sense outside of time. The heaven, the angels, it is said, many, many saints have seen this, the angels are present here because Jesus is really present. It's hard, it's hard for us. Many uh, have doubts about the real presence, but encourage you when you come up, you say, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. It, they didn't recognize him either, or they would never have killed him. So we have that opportunity as well. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Your prayers have been answered. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's true. Well, anyway, uh, my, thy holy will be done, Lord, but I'll think of something. <laughs> never fear. Uh, it, so the Eucharist, when we have this sacred dialogue, we're, we're actually speaking with God and he with us. Uh, we have this, uh, oh, I know, it was when I went to, to Israel, uh, I was with the seminary right after ordination. A bunch of us seminarians went and there were other people who had come along. And uh, uh, well, last night one of them was actually singing here. Uh, that would be um, Eileen Hayes was there on that tour. Anyway, um, he sang at the 5.30 Mass. We got to the, the cave of St. Jerome, which is right next door to the cave of Bethlehem. He wrote the, what, he took the, the, the Septuagint, the Greek uh, Old Testament from Alexandria, and translated the whole thing into, um, into Latin, I, I believe. And also, much of the New Testament uh, he translated. We still use his translations today because they're the oldest ones we have. So you're going this wonderful place, and I was just newly ordained, and I go around the corner, and here's the altar right attached to the wall. There was no freestanding altar. I didn't have a clue. They didn't teach me this at the seminary. It was not the Tridentine Mass. This is the Novus Ordo, the Mass of St. Pope pa, uh, John, uh, Paul, the, Paul the Sixth. Father Odo Recker up there, my spiritual advisor, but now was right with me. I said, you heard this before, what do I do? And he said, figure it out. <laughs> so I did. Every time I addressed the people, I turned around. Easy peasy, right? Wasn't hard to figure out. But you know, uh, it's, it would, I, I have the, 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 the facility to actually celebrate mass on Sunday facing this way. Of course, I'm not going to. But if you've ever seen that, especially if those of us who are older and remember it, it I, the priest doesn't have his back to the people. He's praying with the people. And that means that, in a, in a real sense, 
the, the danger of having, the, the, the beauty of, of me facing you is that you get to see everything. The danger is that the mass can become more priest-centric. And that's not a good thing, because I'm your, your servant. We're praying together. The fact that the priest doesn't pray this way anymore doesn't mean uh, it, it, we're still doing the same thing. I'm gathering your prayers, my sacrifice and yours. See, we're both making a sacrifice. I'm actually presiding over the sacrifice of Jesus, but you're bringing your sacrifices to him. There's so many problems out there look between the prayer chain and things that I know about, if you're not going through something you did or you will, life is like that. It's one thing after the other. And you get the impression that it's those trials that we are growing in that's us we're going to bring to God. Every one of those should be united with God, even if we blew it, especially if we blew it ourselves with a sinner. Things come up in our lives. So we're uniting those sacrifices together. And it really helps to know that... Uh, Jesus wants, invites us into his sacrifice, especially, you know, we're offering the prayers, blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Those are called the Baraka prayers. They come right from Passover, uh, the Passover uh, service. Remember, they were all Jews uh, in the early church, and that's, that's a Passover plus a synagogue service. That's, that's basically the origins of the basic outline of the Mass. So, liturgy of the Word, liturgy of the Eucharist. It helps to know better and to remind ourselves what we are about here because uh, uh, this is our life without what unites our diverse community once again is the word of God and the Eucharist and our common bond of communion as Christians we are all citizens of two worlds this one is is this temporal world world is very real very valuable and very temporary the world we're going to is eternity. Whether we believe in it or not, it exists. And we, knowing uh, this, can uh, be adequately prepared there. Remember what I said yesterday. Lex, my Latin is terrible. Lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. As we believe, as we pray, so we believe, so we act.